Welcome to Marvel Studios News. My name is Sean Gerber, and in a moment I will be joined by my co-host Paul Herman so we can get into episode 58 of our show, and it's the fourth stop on our road to Infinity War. We're going to be talking about Thor from 2011, directed by Kenneth Branagh. Now, before we get into the show, I want to make sure I take a moment to thank Jake Wizard, TJ Pronder, Brentac Prime, Linus, and SWC. Those are our new patrons uh, on our Patreon page, which is over at patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News. We, of course, appreciate everybody who supports our show by listening to it, liking it, sharing it, uh, reviewing it on iTunes or wherever your favorite podcatcher is, or rating the show. We appreciate all of that, uh, but we certainly love the additional, resp- uh, the additional support we've been getting from our patrons, and we try to provide the best additional content that we can for those individuals. Uh, for example, the patrons that you have that we have so far have been enjoying our Patreon credit scenes. That's extra material. It's usually about 20 to 25 minutes of extra material that we add on to all of these main episodes that you're hearing from when you originally subscribed to the show. So we've been talking about for every movie on this road to Infinity War, we've been spending extra time talking about the connective threads between those films and Infinity War. We've also been talking about some of the latest news. So, for example, on this week's sh- uh, for this week's show, when we do our extended scene, our Patreon-exclusive uh, segment for this episode, uh, over on the Patreon page for our patrons, it's going to be looking at the first appearance of an Infinity Stone in the MCU in Thor, as well as some other things going on with Loki that will uh, connect to Infinity War. And we're also going to be talking about uh, the biggest news of the day when we recorded this episode, which was the first trailer for Ant-Man and the Wasp. So all of that's going to be available. And the cool thing about signing up and being one of our patrons is that you will get a dedicated, exclusive RSS feed link that you can use to subscribe to the show in one spot. So that way, um, I put everything on the Patreon page so that that way, you once you use the RSS feed link that you'll get when you become one of our patrons, everything that you'll have access to, which will include the main show as well as any exclusive uh, exclusive shows, depending on uh, what tier you're on for your contribution on as one of our patrons, you'll get all you'll get everything in one spot, and you can put it into whatever your podcatcher is. Just any podcatcher that allows you to subscribe via an RSS HTML, you'll be able to put that in and you'll get all the content in one space. So it's not like you have to go listening to the main show on iTunes and then having to track it down somewhere else. You can get everything in one spot, whichever your with whichever your favorite podcatcher is, whether uh, including the Apple podcast apps, you can check all of that out over there. So thanks again to everyone who has already contributed and then I also just want to take a moment to, and again, you can do, you can find all of that, all of those details, all of the offers we have at patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News. And then before we get going here, I also just want to take a moment to go ahead and let you know where you can keep up with Marvel Studios News. We have a website, it's marvelstudiosnews.com. That's where you can find me posting about, uh, posting articles, writing articles about MCU content and even some other Marvel content every single day. Uh, you can also keep up with us on Facebook. It's uh, Marvel Studios News. Easy enough to use search for that. Or you can look for us on Twitter at Marvel Newscast. So that's it. I'm done uh, letting you guys know about all the different updates and everything we have going on at Marvel Studios News. So I will shut up or only for the, only for the purposes of this intro, and we'll go ahead and get on with the episode.
Paul Herman, it's time to put the U in MCU. The, our uh, road to Infinity War for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, we're now going to actually expand into the film that made it a universe because the first three films we've been talking about, all Earth-based. Um, but we go to the Realm Eternal, we go to Asgard, we also swing through Jotunheim for a spell, but uh, we are going to be talking <laughs> about Thor from two th- that was released in May 2011. Now, uh, before we get into the movie, we're going to stick with what we've been doing on these Road to Infinity War shows. We're going to talk about the build-up to Thor, and we got to attack this you know, a, a couple different ways, you know, because there's... Yes, there's like the build up to this specific iteration of Thor, but my mm-hmm. memory goes back farther than that for remembering just rumors about Thor movies for years and years and years. And Ooh. the one name that sticks out for all time of people just constantly throwing this guy's name out there of he's just got to be Thor, he's got to be Thor, he's got to be Thor. And I hated it because I just wasn't into the idea was Triple H of uh, WWE fame. <laughs> I don't know if you remember, but for years, he was nope. top of the rumor mill to play Thor. But, of course, that was back when it was, again, mostly fan casting because there, there really were never strong rumors about a Thor movie no. being in development like there had been for Iron Man and, uh, and Captain America. Yeah. The Thor stuff mm-hmm. was just pure fantasy casting fan casting whatever you want to call it and i just remember triple h always being at the top of the list he's got he's blonde and he's got long hair good enough for me right and he's, and he's buff right so like it's, yeah, yeah exactly yeah 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 that was the thing is you know the basically that was how people would cast superheroes especially marvel superheroes who were big buff like superpowered dudes it's like yeah throw a wrestler in there um not that uh you know but thankfully like triple h showed up in blade trinity and everybody's like nah <laughs> everybody oh, eventually man. thought better of it he's he's just you know just great in the professional wrestling arena but uh not so awesome uh not the not the greatest actor of the bunch so not the greatest crossover star like uh his pal dwayne johnson um but uh specific more specific to mcu um i remember being very excited and also very curious about this movie because, as I said at the beginning, the idea of this of the Marvel Cinematic Universe actually becoming a universe by having a a character that is obviously spends a lot of time on Earth, but the core of his mythology is based elsewhere. and And I remember always being so curious as to how exactly, even before like casting and, and we'll get into all that stuff, but just when it became a real thing of they're going to make a Thor movie. I remember being very curious about how they would do it and how it would be received because there's no question that this is way, Thor is a way more out there concept than anything, than any of the first three MCU movies, which were two Iron Man films and a Hulk film. Uh, Cause even though Hulk is kind of trippy science fiction fantasy of gamma radiation makes, turns you into an enormous green rage monster but people had known the Hulk for decades because of the TV show and, and everything. So like audiences had gotten, it was a, it is an out there concept, but audiences were used to it. Uh, Thor is even farther out there and didn't have the kind of mainstream exposure that Hulk had. So seeing that be the fourth film, but just the third solo franchise that Marvel would come out with was uh, with Thor. I thought it would be really ambitious. And then when you, when you add into the fact that, before you even know if people like this character in the movies, 
uh, because you're already filming Avengers before Thor, before Thor comes out, and people and you know whether or not people like it, which is the same can be said for Captain America a couple months later. But I think for Thor, it's an even tougher bet just because it's such a it's not a new concept to you and I, but it was such a new concept mm-hmm. to to the rest of the world who actually who you actually depend on to buy tickets because you know you and I will buy a bunch of tickets, but we're not enough. Yeah, this is the movie that I was the most just, wow, I can't believe they're making a Thor movie. Now, and you brought up, you said it best, like, is it, there's a difference between, like, a you know, the Incredible Hulk and Iron Man and even Captain America to an extent. But I would say Captain America is this one tier above Thor as, like, or below Thor as far as intensity of Marvel Cinematic Universe. Now, you can make, you know, a movie that's not set in, a, in an extended universe like Iron Man could work because it's a man in an iron suit. It's, it's not a lot of craziness to think that's uh, out of a possibility. Um, the Hulk is obviously Batman. Hot. Iron Man is just yeah. Batman with higher tech and more sarcasm. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's really yeah. It. So, and then the Hulk, obviously. I mean, obviously, it's it's a creature, Jekyll and Hyde kind of idea. Um, he's kind of more well known. It's not, you know, it, it's not as crazy as as you know yeah. than we think. But the, with Thor. It's not just the you know having a movie about a you know a guy named Thor and and fighting monsters is Norse mythology, right? You could easily make a movie about that. But one of the things that um, my my point being this is Kenneth Branagh had a great point. This is what made me really excited about him directing the movie was I remember one of the very first things I remember reading when I heard he was cast. I was like, oh man, this is really exciting. And I was reading a, a real small interview with him, and he said, you know. Obviously, you know, I'm going to embrace different aspects of Norse mythology and that's going to be in there. But the best, I mean, the only thing that I I can, or he said basically that what needs to happen though is that this is the Marvel's Thor. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was very interesting that he wanted to make sure it was emphasized that they were doing Marvel Comics Thor, not a, you know, a regular, you know, out there Norse mythology Thor to make it more grounded and make it not less like the comic book. Instead, they brought the red cape. You know, it's, you know, the only, only thing really missing was the helmet. God, I love that helmet. And, you know, but, but that being said, he's got, he's got Molnir. He's got, it makes him fly. It's in all the, the rainbow, the rainbow, uh, rainbow bridge. Can't talk tonight. All that stuff. He had. We had to make sure that it was the Marvel Comics Thor to give it its own. Not just because it's for the sake of doing it, but because one, that's what makes it unique. It's not just the regular Thor stories from Norse mm-hmm. mythology. This is Marvel Comics, and this is bringing all those Jack Kirbyisms, the Gladiator, um, or Gladiator, excuse me, Destroyer. Uh, you know, all those things into this movie. The Warriors Three, things like that, like all these things that are, you know all from the Marvel Comics you know, universe, they had to incorporate into. And I think that's what is so, was such a mind-blowing thing that they were going to do. Is they, and I've seen the trailers, I remember thinking to myself, this is not, this is Marvel Comics Thor. This is not yeah. just a, you know, oh, it's going to make a, a Thor movie and we're going to, th- he's going to all of a sudden wind up in the Marvel Universe. No, no, no. This is literally Marvel Comics Thor. And I think that was, was, very mind blowing. I remember. I remember the first picture we saw of Chris Hemsworth as Thor. I just remember thinking. I said out loud, "I can't believe they're doing it." And it's. It was. It was such a. It was so exciting waiting for this movie and Captain America. Like the fact these came out a couple months after each other is so crazy to me. And it just. It's so. I, I watched Thor. I just. It's love it. And there's so many great things about it. I think. And. Um, 
But yeah, leading up to it, I I just couldn't wait. I could not wait to dive into a movie that I thought we were never we were getting that I never thought we'd ever get. Yeah, I mean, I remember um, Kenneth Branagh. I thought was such a great fit because he has he obviously has a background as a filmmaker with doing Shakespeare adaptations, and you know, Thor obviously had a heavy. There's there are heavy Shakespearean elements to Thor's story, even even within the Marvel, especially within the Marvel version of Thor, they've they've always uh, leaned into that, and so I, I really loved the I really loved Kenneth Branagh as a you know as the as a, I thought he was a good fit to be uh, the director of the film, and then when Chris Hemsworth was cast, I just remember well, I saw that dude for five minutes in Star Trek 2009, and I thought he was pretty damn good, so sure why not? I mean I. I was relieved that it wasn't a wrestler, so like I was like, okay, here's a guy who's actually an actor, and I, I mean, and I didn't know him that well. I I really only knew him as Papa Kirk, James T. Kirk's dad, in the first few minutes of J.J. Yeah. Abrams' first Star Trek in 2009. But I really did love, I really loved that scene. I loved that movie, and I Damn. especially loved that uh, that first scene. So I had no. Uh, I had no issue with that casting. I didn't know a whole lot about Tom Hiddleston, but I know I remember reading this, this the stuff of uh, you know Liam Hemsworth went out for it, and Tom Hiddleston also went out for it. Just it's very common that these actors go out for the hero role and then wind up you know being moved over to villain if they end up being a you know a better fit. But um, I remember just being on board with the idea. I, I can't wait to see this, but it was another uh, it was another question mark because the MCU was still. It, it, this is still early days. I know it's at this point. You know, by the time we see Thor, it's a, it's a few years since uh, or you know, a few years since Iron Man. But uh, you know, the, it was just because Iron Man just seemed like an easier. Even mm-hmm. though Marvel went very Marvel with it, it's still a very grounded story. Grounded, yep. You know, relative yep. to other superhero concepts. And so, with Thor, I thought, is this is this going to be the one where Marvel kind of pulls back? Um, and then I saw the first trailer and I was like, well, nope. Um, uh, <laughs> I remember that first trailer, I think it came out like December of, of 2010. And I just remember seeing that huge hammer strike onto the ground in Jotunheim and like all the ground just, it all comes up and all those frost giants go flying. And I just thought, damn, like that looks amazing. Um, I want just a uh, very similar reaction, um, you know, in a different way, but just in terms of the how positive my response was, very similar to the first uh, the first teaser trailer for Iron Man. You know, I just thought, man, like they're really they're really going for it. They're really nailing it. Um, I can't believe that this is I, I can't believe that this is what's happening. That this is what they're they're doing. But I, I love that Marvel just continues to emphasize it because everybody looks at Thor and because you know, I remember everybody was like, Oh, Thor is going to be Marvel's Lord of the Rings and, and this and that. And I even probably <laughs> made some of those comparisons myself at some point, but you know, cause there, there's definitely, I don't want to, I don't want to treat that as like an, an invalid request or an invalid theory because there, there's definitely comic books, Marvel comics with Thor to, to back that up. But I feel like a lot of that Lord of the Rings stuff leans more heavily into the Norse mythology than the Marvel version because the best Thor or my favorite Thor stories weren't very Lord of the Rings heavy. Like they were just crazy cosmic uh, hero adventure stories. And, and um, so that, and that's kind of what I was looking for. I mean, just 
the the way that in the trailers that Thor was just so brash and just like just up for the fight and ready to go. Like I was just like, yeah, that's it. That's the guy <laughs> like that. <laughs> that looks and sounds like Thor. Let's do this. Um, so I remember being very, very excited, uh, just really excited going into it. Um, now I'm trying to think if there were any other kind of major steps along the way. I mean, I know there was another trailer and, and I love that. I was just, I was just on board with it. And then it was just kind of the question of, well, let's, let's see how this does. I mean, I, I was pretty sure that I was going to like it. Um, because, uh, truth be told, I like most superhero movies, <laughs> whether they're Marvel or DC, <laughs> like I'm, I'm a fan of the genre, whether it's in comic book, uh, or movie, comic book form, movie form or elsewhere, if it's about superheroes, there's a really good chance I'll like it. It doesn't mean I, I always like what gets put out there, but you know, I'm I'm not the I'm certainly not the toughest sell when it comes to comic book movies. So I was I was curious to see how uh, you know how everybody else uh, would receive it. But do you remember? Um, do you remember where? I mean, we'll we'll go through the, the our usual routine here. Do you remember where yep. you were when you first saw it? Who you were with? What was that yep. like? I was uh, I saw it at the Thornton Theater in Northgate, and it was, I think at that point it was the first uh, superhero movie I'd seen there. Um, I think so. Was it? Yeah, I think I was pretty sure that was that one. Um, and uh, I remember I went with my buddy Kinsley. Uh, we both went. He was, he's a co- somewhat of a comic book fan. And uh, I remember I went at midnight, which uh, I went to midnight. I was thinking, these, these were the last movies I saw at midnight, I think, uh, for, at least for a long time. And... Um, yeah, I was really excited. I went to work late uh, the next day. I, I, I asked my boss if I could because I really wanted to see it, and I got home late. But I remember just loving it, just being like I had to go see it again, uh, which, I, which I did. I saw it the next day, the next morning. Um, but, yeah, I saw it. I just, I just couldn't believe what we got. It was the Marvel Comics store, and, it you know, again, like you, you said it best, it brought the U and the MCU. And uh, it's just crazy that we got this you know universe you know expanding film that wasn't was wasn't playing it safe from a standpoint of we gotta base it in reality as much as possible which they do at some point but mm-hmm. at the same time i i i think it, it worked for this movie but I, but i really felt like we got enough of asgard and enough of the of, of thor in action from the beginning of the film when he t- goes to jotunheim that I really just thought it was great what they did. And it left me wanting more, more Thor in, in, in Asgard and on the seven, uh, seven kingdoms or whatever. Uh, so, uh, seven realms or whatever you want to call it. What is it? Seven realms. What, what is it? Nine um, realms. Nine realms. Seven, yeah. Nine realms. I knew I was going to something wrong. Uh, the nine <laughs> realms. So, uh, but yeah, so like I, it just was, it was a mind blowing. It really was mind blowing for me because this was the start of, a great run of Marvel films that I just, it just, it made, it enhanced and made my, my childish, my childhood dreams come true. So yeah, I, it was, and I loved it for the moment I saw it. Yeah. Same here. I was, I was completely enamored with it. Like I remember, uh, I actually remember where I, I don't remember the, I can't remember the exact theater. Um, it was in LA. I think it might've been the bridge. Although I don't know that it's called that anymore. It was, it was an IMAX, I think it used to be called the bridge over by uh, by LAX. Although I might, it might have been Burbank. I'm pretty sure it was the bridge, though. But anyway, um, we it was actually a mo- I actually got to see Thor before it came out. I got to see it a couple days before it came out uh, because back then 
uh, hero complex was, uh, you know, an offshoot of the LA times. And I think it's still around, but it was much bigger in 2011 cause it was being run by, uh, by Jeff Boucher who, you know, ran that for a few years and did screening, uh, series with Q and you know, with Q and A's. And so I actually got to see it, uh, I think cause it came out, I think on like Friday, May 6th, I got to see it on Wednesday night, May 4th. And it was also, uh, the movie was followed by a Q and A with Kenneth Branagh and Chris Hemsworth. So, I remember I didn't I wasn't with anybody because I just it was you know, I was only able to score like my one seat <laughs> for the uh, uh, for the screening. So I just went by myself and waited in line and then, you know, to get my as good of a seat as I could and then watch the movie. And I I couldn't believe how much I was loving. I, I was loving the film. And and even though I know people probably heard there's some people who have heard me say earlier about Marvel really going for it and going out there with uh with thor and 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 i know this movie maybe didn't go all the way because so much of the story takes place in new mexico but you know after that first little prologue bit of thor getting hit out in the desert in in new mexico we shoot to asgard it's one of my favorite shots in the history of the mcu after odin kind of gives the history of asgard and battle in the war with the frost giants you had that beautiful shot that just comes up into Asgard from underneath and you go from the bottom of the ocean up through the surface and then you see the realm eternal Asgard in all its glory and it's just it's one of the most beautiful shots uh, one of my all-time favorites in the MCU and you have that amazing uh, Patrick Doyle score just swells up with the the Thor theme that kind of finally made a little comeback uh, in uh, in a couple moments there with Thor Ragnarok so I was just, I was loving it, you know, from very, uh, from very early on, just really into the movie. And then I was so entertained and having so much fun with it. But also what really got me about Thor that, especially from that first viewing and then with every viewing after that, I was just so hooked on the family drama, like the stuff that I just kept coming back to, you know, that scene between Odin and Thor and Loki after they get back from Jotunheim when uh, Odin first banishes Thor uh, to Midgard to Earth I just remember thinking this is such um this is why Anthony Hopkins is here <laughs> like to make this work but um you know, I knew Anthony Hopkins being an all-time great like I knew I could depend on his performance but I was really impressed with Chris Hemsworth again because I had only seen uh you know one very small performance from him he was doing amazing and this guy I had no idea about, Tom Hiddleston, was just killing it as Loki, especially as he's discovering uh, that he is Lofi's son, that he is a frost giant. And I was just blown away by it. And the, the whole action sequence on Jotunheim, loved that. So, you know, the Thor stuff, it did some out there things. It didn't go all the way for the entire length of the film, but that was okay. You know, I, I thought that what they did with Thor was... For a first Thor movie, I thought they struck the right balance, and I thought telling the fish out of the wa- fish out of water story was good, and it set up a lot of very natural, organic humor. Everything from battling doctors and nurses in the hospital to I need a horse, and like give me, you know, <laughs> we have cats and dogs, give me one of those large enough to ride. Uh, you know, smashing the coffee cu- the coffee mug. There's just so many great comedic bits to it, but it also had so much heart, uh, so much emotion in the movie that I was just, uh, I, I was, I think I was just smiling the entire time. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where I was really impressed with the casting of this movie. Um, you know, 
pretty much casting unknowns from Chris Hemsworth, Tom Hiddleston, and surrounding them with with you know character actors like uh, oh not even I would say character actors like Idris Elba is like a movie star now, but like at the time you know he had just a few roles here and there, but he was great. Mm-hmm. Um, even Roy, Steve, Roy Stevenson, excuse me, um, he was I think Volstag. I love him as Volstag, aka the Punisher. Yeah, um, it's so funny to think about. Um, obviously huge actor like um anthony hopkins i mean they you know um and renee russo is that who it was uh yeah, renee russo yeah Frigga. Ru- yeah forget so you're talking about just tons of a-list um talent that that's set up around them and they're able to and nelly portman which i'm not a huge portman fan but um you know i mean there's so many great actors that are in there and they surround these two main characters who are basically um unknowns and they really thrive in that environment brana really gives them tons of great direction um i feel like he was the perfect choice for this movie and he really blends the sense of uh humor and action everything like i just feel like he got like he probably got in my opinion hemsworth best performance besides ragnarok and um, you know, and that includes the Avengers films. I like, I like, I like Hemsworth in the Avengers films, but to me, it feels like he has the best performance in Thor. I think he just gets his best acting performance. He he can go from funny to stupid to smart mm-hmm. to, hum, to humble. It's not those are all things that he conveys in this one movie, not yeah. over three. So I mean, that's really impressive. I, 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 I don't watch enough movies and enough. To, and uh, enough movies of Chris Hemsworth to really, um, you know, really say that I love the guy as an actor. But I have seen in, in these Thor and Avengers films enough to where I know he's definitely the most underrated out of all of them, in my opinion. And that I'm glad that like Thor Ragnarok has come out and it's, and it's kind of given him a little more flexibility in his mm-hmm. range as an actor. But I think that you see that range in this movie, and it's it's definitely overlooked a lot of you know because. I, here's my thing. I think this movie gets a bad rap because it's not on Asgard the entire time. It's not um, because it goes and stays on a a town that they created for the movie. It looks like they did that. It's not a very well lived in you know uh, town because they did make it for the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, obviously, it's there for budgetary reasons and whatnot. And I get it um, why it, why it's there and everything, but. At the same time, like I feel like you needed to do this to ground. You gave the because I think here's a genius of Thor. It gives you this crazy out there world. You're like, what the? And then then it puts you right back into reality of the MCU that we're used to from Iron Man and the Hulk that we've seen before. Mm -hmm. And you hear things like Shield and things. And then also that guy from the Iron Iron Man movie shows up. So it grounds it in this in the sense to where it brings back the audience and they're like, oh man, they're still on the same universe. It's not like a totally different Exactly. And that's the genius of the movie is that it comes back, it connects it to the audience, and stays there. It doesn't go back and forth to where you know Thor is there, and Thor is there. It stays with one spot for the most part, and you get to develop Thor on the world that you're connected with already, while you are developing the villain on the other side. And the genius of that, and, and you're giving great meaty performances. This movie, in my opinion, is the most I think underrated of all the Marvel MCU movies. It's up there. It's definitely. Yeah, yeah, it's up there. It's I want to say it's in my top ten MCU films, which is saying a lot. It, there, there are so many good MCU films, yeah. and I definitely have this in my top ten. I 
I haven't even made a top 10 in so long. I, I, I can't promise that it would be in there, but if it's, if it's not in the top 10, it would be near the top of the list of movies. I'd be super annoyed with myself for not putting in my top 10. Um, I definitely believe it's, it's one of, if not the most underrated movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Because like you, I mean, I, I get when people wanted something to be bigger. And you know, and certainly I wanted a Thor film to be uh, a little weirder, a little more cra- you know, crazier. Uh, you know, so I, I totally get like that desire. But for a first Thor movie, I was very happy with this. You know, I... My disappointment for Thor not going bigger and crazier and more cosmic is Thor the Dark World, not this one, because this one I thought was a very nice balance of here's the stuff you had no idea existed uh, in this in this world, in this universe that, you know, when Nick Fury talks about a bigger universe, you know, Tony Stark becoming part of a bigger universe. Well, now we're seeing it for the first time, but we're not taking our feet you know, we take our feet off the ground to go to Asgard, go to Jotunheim, but we get to come back. And and I think that's important. And, you know, I know people criticize this movie of saying, it. well, it's, it's too much MCU setup. And I, I disagree with that. I, I've never believed that. People think, oh, well, S.H.I.E.L.D. comes out of nowhere. I'm like, who else would go investigate this big freaking hammer that fell out of the sky and that nobody can lift? Like, who else, who else is going to do that within the context of the Marvel Cinematic Universe? That's going to be S.H.I.E.L.D. Like, it's... There's no, that's not unbelievable to me. That's completely organic within the MCU to me. That's not, uh, you know, that's not just like cramming the square peg into the round hole just so you can go ahead and make some and, and put another MCU element into this movie. I thought it was very natural that that, that is how it would go down. Um, so I never had, I never had that issue. I never agreed with, with that criticism. And, and I felt like, um, what maybe this movie didn't have in terms of being, as big as maybe some people wanted, I felt like it made up for it, at least on, on my end of it. You know, if it wasn't quite as big as maybe I would have hoped for from a Thor film, it made up for that by telling uh, a, a really great story that in, that brought together uh, a lot of very interesting characters and made me care about them for their different reasons. I agree with you. I think, I would say even maybe Ragnarok still goes down as, as Hemsworth's best performance, but... He did. I, I still think out of all his MCU performances, this is the movie where he does the most things uh, because, like he, like you said, he is so many different things in this. I love his scene with Loki when he's been captured by Shield, and uh, you know he ultimately, when he hears that his father has died, and he's kind of accepting, uh, you know, and Loki is telling him that he has to remain in in exile, and and him kind of accepting that as yes, this is my fault, and I'm not going to be mad at you, Loki, for enforcing you know this rule of uh, you know this rule of our dad, and according to you know what Loki's telling him, our mother, like it's there was just a great performance by Hemsworth there, and then throughout the film of this entire arc of Thor having to become worthy of uh, of Mjolnir, and I, I just I absolutely love that, and then Tom Hiddleston's same thing with Loki, like that that discovery of you know being the guy being the kid who always felt like he was less than his brother and discovering a reason why that might have been and and confronting Odin about that and and I think what uh, you really see with with Loki in this and this will definitely play into uh what we'll talk about in our Patreon credit scene but um like with a lot of <laughs> Loki stuff like what Tom Hiddleston is so incredible at in the Marvel Cinematic Universe it happens in this movie it happens in Avengers. 
It happens in Thor the Dark World. He does such in, uh, yeah, and, and of course, Ragnarok. Like, every time he, or not every time, but there are just so many times where he'll do something terrible, and yet he'll be able to give you a look in his eyes that makes you feel like he hates himself for doing it, and he immediately regrets it. He still does it, so he's still a bad guy, but you have almost a little bit of sympathy for him, or not. maybe sympathy is the wrong word, but you just, you kind of feel in some ways like Thor does, that somewhere deep down there's there's some part of this person that that can be reached and that you can that can find some form of redemption that will actually stop doing this. But then of course he ultimately uh, always lets you down. But you know, when he and Thor are kind of having their final confrontation when they're at uh, Heimdall's uh, observatory right there in the Bifrost, like he's you know, like as he's telling Thor, like all of this stuff, like he's got tears in his eyes. Like you just see like mm-hmm. he's so angry and hurt and sad, you know, of, of everything that's you know built up in his life to this point. So he's doing this terrible thing. He's committing genocide for all the frost giants on all the frost giants on, on Jotunheim. And so it's this horrible, despicable act. But at the same time, you see like this guy, which by the way, I'm never going to feel bad for anybody who actually commits genocide, but in a fictional realm, <laughs> you know, in this, in this fictional setting where the frost giants were kind of assholes earlier in the movie, um, then I don't, you know, it's, then it's a little easier to find uh, some of that sympathy for Loki. But there's there's complexity to that character, and I think Tom, it's really Tom Hiddleston's performance that makes it work. I don't know that there are very many other actors who could have pulled it off as effectively as Tom Hiddleston's been doing. Um, and you you see it in this movie. And that was another thing that I was very excited about uh, at the end of this movie, because at this point, going into this movie, we already knew that Loki was the bad guy in Avengers. So uh, I just remember being so excited because I think this guy just gave a great performance because going into the movie, I was like, man, this guy better be good. Otherwise, like, <laughs> otherwise, I'm not really going to be looking forward to Avengers. I mean, I still would have been, but it certainly would have been another thing to worry about. Uh, but I had no worries about the villain department in Avengers because Tom Hiddleston was just lights out as uh, in his in his first performance as Loki and, and every other one since. Yeah, Loki is one of those things where I wasn't expecting I wasn't expecting his character to be as good as the way they portrayed him and how the way he was act, uh, portrayed by Tom Hiddleston. Um, I always the Loki was always an okay character to me in the comic books. He's always a little more straight ahead evil mm-hmm. in in the comic books. He's a little more he's a little more mischievous. He really is the the god of mischief that they portray him or that's his title. Um, they don't really say that he's a god of mischief in in the movies, do they? I don't remember if they do or not. I think they but, do. I don't think they. I think there's. I think they call him that, but I think they they allude to mischief, but I don't know that they they flat out just say, "Oh, you're the god of mischief." Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I know they they kind of talk about the tricks and things like that, which is definitely what he is in, in the comics and the movies. But one of the things I love that they they played on, and one of the things I did always like about. Thor and Loki's relationship was that Thor always loved his brother, regardless of mm-hmm. what happened. And that's in, evident in this movie. It's evident in all the movies that he's in. And that's why I, I really love that aspect of the, between these two characters. And I love the fact they play on that a little bit in, um, they make it a little more, they make Loki a little more, not sympathetic, but they, you kind of understand a little bit where he's coming from. And 
also the fact that he is he still does care about Thor, even though he is ready to like hurt him and and and, and sacrifice him in certain situations. He still does care about his brother, and I I think that is so evident in the, in all the films, including this one. Mm-hmm. And I lo- like you said when they're fighting at the very end and they're getting emotional. I just love that stuff. I love the talking between the fighting, you know, because Thor doesn't want to fight Loki. You know, he doesn't. You know, he wants them. He wants him to come to his senses and then fight along his side. That's what mm-hmm. that's what Thor wants. So it's just an amazing. It was an amazing direction to to for have to write the character not be straight evil. And it's it was an amazing performance by Tom Hiddleston to not play him straight evil when the time came to turn heel, if you will. Right. So yeah. uh, so that's kind of what I loved about um, this characterization of Loki. Is this the fact that you don't? It's not just like I am an evil man now. It's like even in the Avengers, which well, I, we'll get into this, but a little tease of it is the fact that Loki's not like he's still being he's, he's so manipulated and so just distraught that it's driving him to keep doing what he's doing in Avengers. And like you kind of see where he's not where he's coming from, but you understand like he feels cast out and. I don't know. He's he's played not as this evil person, but like as this guy is like he's still he's direct. I guess he is evil at that point, but he just doesn't seem as like full on like I am evil. I'm going to stroke well, my not, evil. Ch- exactly. You know, yeah. Th- he's not. He's not twirling the mustache. You know. He's just. He has. You know. He feels slighted, and I think you can understand why he feels slighted, and and that's just the thing. Like the context is different with these with these characters in the sense that they are. Um, you know that they are gods. You know, relative to humans, they are gods. I know technically the movie ultimately classifies them as aliens, but they really are, and they're still in essence gods. And and I think you know you see that's common in mythology as it relates to gods. Is their their you know the morality within them is it's it's a different context, and that's why you know you may not like that, but that's part of the reason why like you can have why Loki who's killed. A bunch of people could still have somebody like Thor trying to, uh, you know, hope that there can still be some redemption. Now, obviously, if we were talking in purely human terms, there would be no redemption. <laughs> like, that's it. You kill that many people, you're done. Um, but, yeah, with Loki, there is always that temptation. And, and, and you know, and that's that's another part of having a, a really strong, charismatic performer in Tom Hiddleston is it's just like the Joker. Like, people don't really hate the Joker in Batman movies. Like, you you still kind of like him because he's super entertaining and fun. It's, it's fun to watch your hero Batman go up against him. And, and for Thor and Loki, like the other, it has a, that additional layer. And that's where I think the, I think the MCU in many instances has improved upon the source material. And I, and I think the, the added layer of Loki's, um, uh, his guilt, the conflict that is within him, like that, emphasizing that more in the MCU than they had been doing in the comics, I think re- actually made him a stronger, uh, deeper, much more well-rounded character. Um, and in the way, and not completely unlike as we talked about for Iron Man a few sh- uh, a few weeks back, like you know what Robert Downey Jr. was able to do with Tony Stark made me more interested in that character than I had been in the comic book version cuz as I talked about in our Iron Man 2 show like I was a bigger fan of Rhodey in the comics but then Downey comes up as Tony Stark and I'm like oh yeah this is pretty awesome um so similar uh, similar result ultimately uh through a different 
you know, through different storytelling techniques, but ultimately, but a similar end result of really enjoying what I saw as, you know, an improvement on the source material with what they were doing with Loki in this film. And then everything, I mean, cause that's the thing about Loki is that he doesn't really turn on, he's not really turning on his family. And like, even though he's pissed at Odin and he's screaming at him when Odin falls into the Odin sleep, like that's genuine concern when Loki calls for the guards, you know, and, and you think he, Loki's going to do this horrible thing and he's arranging his father's murder, but he's not, all he's doing is setting up, you know, well, he is arranging, he's arranging his biological father's murder, not his adoptive father and Odin. You know, he betrays Laffy he kills the frost giant, so you see all Loki's trying to do is make himself look like a hero. Um, and obviously he does horrible villain things in order to look like the hero, but you see that's what Loki wants. Loki wants to be seen as the hero because he, he's grown up his entire life with Thor being the... Thor is the conquering hero. Thor is the kid who was always going to get to be king, and Loki feels like he never had that shot. And then when he feels like uh, you know, there was... a a very real reason why and you just see what that what that does to him it's it's amazing and that's why i loved that's why i loved this movie so much is it it mm-hmm. had it had all of that it was there there's so much emotional depth to these characters and these performances within it in addition to uh all of the fun that i was having i mean the only um the the only disappointment that's always stood out to me is i i always thought the thor destroyer fight at the end was resolved way too quickly <laughs> Um, yes, agreed, I, I wanted agreed. a bigger knockdown drag out battle between the two of them. But I also understand within the purpose of the film, like he's about to go confront Loki. So, you know, if you're going to have one big battle followed by another big battle, that may not necessarily work out. Although the battle between Thor and Loki is not that big, at least not physically, it's more emotional. So if they wanted to do a bigger, you know, more, uh, more physical battle, then, you know, I would get it. But but as far as like the, you know, spending so much time on Earth in New Mexico, it's yeah they shot the movie in New Mexico. That's why it's not Broxton, Oklahoma, like in J. Michael Straczynski's run. And of course, JMS is the guy who finds the hammer in this movie. <laughs> um, yep. And of course, Stan Lee tries to pull it out. That, oh yeah, by the way, one of this is this is probably my favorite Stan Lee cameo of Phase One. Really? Yeah, I love. I have. I have always died laughing at this one where the bed of the truck gets pulled off and he just did it work. I <laughs> I don't know like. Uh. I, I laugh so hard at that. Like it's, it's maybe this one or I guess the the Hugh Hefner one from uh, uh, from mm. from Iron Man. Those are probably the top two. Because uh, let's see. Well, the other Phase One, I guess his Captain America one's not bad, but it's yeah, it's not as. I, I think yeah, I think this Thor one actually cracks me up the most out of all of them. Um, I like it better than the Larry King thing in Iron Man Two, which is just a lesser version of the Hugh Hef- of the Hugh Hefner joke they did in the first Iron Man. And I like it better than his, you know, gamma poisoned soda in <laughs> the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> so yeah, I uh, yeah, I think I would, I think I would probably still lean towards uh, towards this one from Phase One. You know, and then we'll we'll have to get into it in Phase Two. But yeah, yeah. Thor just does so many things right, um, and I'm just uh, I, I've always loved it, and I've always I've always championed the movie. One of, one of the things also um, I, I, will, I really want to talk about is the look of the characters of, of basically Thor and Loki mainly. Um, they look literally page for page out of the comic and they look fantastic on screen. Um, minus the fact that we don't get Thor's helmet, which I always complain about. He looked great in the first few seconds he's shown on the movie. Um, 
Loki's costume, I think, is phenomenal. I love, love the helmet um, for Loki. He looks like seriously. There, uh, there's a shot of where um, the the Warriors Three and Sif come in, and they immediately are looking for the, you know the king, mm-hmm. and they see Loki's there. And the the way Loki, the way it's shot, it's so perfect. It felt straight out of a comic book. The way Loki was, you know, was sitting with a staff with this giant, huge horn helmet on. It just, oh, it's so cool. And it really, that's the stuff I think that Marvel, the MCU specifically, really go for when they know a look of a character is super mm-hmm. important. For the most part, they're taking some departures here and there. But I mean, like for obviously for Thor, but for Loki, they really went with that horn look i think to really add in the evil you know the evil nature of loki to kind of give him more of a menacing look which i think works really well and i think it just they really get the costumes for all their characters and loki is no exception in fact i think it's one of the bright spots of the costumes of all of the mcu especially that the first one um i love it i think it's, it's so good and yeah my, my favorite it's not, it's not, yeah. yeah my favorite costume of his is, is the one in avengers but yeah this is a. Uh... This is a close second for me. It still looks great. Yeah, it's it's just something that go, I think goes underrated to, you know, because think about this. Thor is very much such it's it's such a risky film to do, and you really have to again you win over that audience. You have to make these costumes look believable, but you got to give them like you know the, the, the please the fan base the fan base that, that wants to go there. You know they'll they'll go see it multiple times if it's good. Mm-hmm. You know, I saw I saw this movie like three or four times in the theater, and that's the thing is like they you know they have to make the general audience love it, and they also want to make sure the fans were happy. And I think MCU is, has done a great job of balancing that. You can't go one way or the other. You have to find a, a right balance. You can't go departure completely mm-hmm. for the most part. You have to keep it somewhat in the same ballpark. And I think this movie is the first one that you could do both. You could give an audience a realistic looking, you know, kind of crazy idea uh, costumes and also make it comic accurate enough that it makes the fans go, yes, this is what I wanted to see. And it's, I mean, and we'll get that even more in the next one we do, which will be Captain America, which I can't wait to talk about. But I think Thor is that first foray into that saying, hey, we can take these kind of ridiculous concepts of a guy in blue tights and yellow boots and we can transform that in onto the screen accurately and make it look fantastic. And they do. They do an amazing job. Yeah, they really do. In fact, I actually really like um, – I love Thor's costume more in this first film than I do in the Avengers. I actually don't like his Avengers costume design. Uh, the chest plate I don't like very much in yeah. Avengers. Mm-hmm. I also don't like that Joss Whedon made Chris Hemsworth a blowout appointment uh, with the hair. Like the hair was <laughs> fine. The, yeah. the hair was fine in Thor. It didn't need to be changed and all Fabioed out in Avengers. It it like even when the dude was standing still, his hair was like flowing in the wind. The way <laughs> that Joss Whedon had them do that wig uh for Avengers. And I just I I, I never you know, thankfully Chris Hemsworth is good enough to overcome a costume that I don't like as much, and, and a hairdo that I, that I certainly don't enjoy as much as uh, as I did in the in the first film. But uh, you know, I, I am glad they stopped like dyeing his eyebrows blonde, though, because that does look a little awkward in this movie. <laughs> uh, but everything, uh, yeah, but everything else is is pretty spot on. Like I, I really do, I really enjoyed the the look of the film, and and that's one more thing from the 
the buildup that I forgot to mention is, you know, see, I, I walked the floor at, at Comic-Con, you know, 2010, saw that throne that they had at the, at the Marvel booth and just being like, oh, damn, <laughs> like, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, um, the, state, the sets are incredible, too. Yeah. There's a lot of great set design. Yeah, and, you know, yeah and, and, you know, the it's funny, like, I it's so funny, like, you know, people talk, because people don't remember, you know, so much, uh, you know, Marvel production happens in Atlanta now that people forget that, like, you know, how, like, New Mexico kind of was a hub for a little while. And that's, and you, you mentioned, you know, the finances, that's what it was. Like, New Me- there used to be a lot of production in New Mexico because there were a lot of really great tax incentives and there were a bunch of sound stages built out there. And now, you know, the, the money's kind of dried up and you have, like, that sweetheart deal that George is giving out in Atlanta. And that's why people go there. But, um, yeah, I, I, but I never, again, I never had a problem with that element of the story because I actually thought that juxtaposition was very, very funny and, and a great way of uh, you know, building a bridge from this, from one end of the MCU that was unlike anything anybody had, audiences, audiences had ever seen at that point to something that was a little more familiar um, based on what they had seen from the MCU thus far. And, all, and generally speaking, what they had seen from most superhero movies, like it put in a space, they, it grounded in a space that people could really uh, relate to much more easily just based on their experience of, of watching these movies. But you know, one other thing I want to throw out there in terms of uh, not necessarily first viewing, because I, I think I had already seen them, gone back and seen the movie, but, uh, you know, there's... Uh, there, there's an, there's like a, there for us anyway, and, and for anybody who's followed us for the past uh, six years of, of podcast, no, seven years, sorry, excuse me. Wow. Seven Woo. years of, of doing podcasts together. Uh, Thor was the first new movie that you and I reviewed together. Uh, yes. For, mm-hmm. for the Modern Myth Media podcast, because that launched in March of 2011. Uh, Thor was the first, uh, you know, it was launched with the idea of there were four superhero movies that summer of... Uh, Thor, X-Men First Class, Green Lantern, and uh, Captain America, the first Avenger. And, you know, I was very excited for Thor. And then I, re- I remember we did a, it was a two-part episode. It was, it started out as you, me, Brad, and John Beerley. And then I think Brad uh-huh. had to go. So, cause Brad was in Australia. So I don't know what time it was for him <laughs> when we were recording that show. Yep. Uh, and then, you know, you, uh, myself, and John just carried on for, uh, for part two. And I just remember how much fun we had talking about, uh, talking about this movie and how much we all, uh, how much we all loved it because we just, we were all blown away by it and just, we had, we, we enjoyed it so much. And that's why it was kind of actually news to me. I didn't, I didn't know for a while that there were, you know, that there was kind of a, a segment of, of Marvel fans and even MCU fans who didn't have a lot of love for this movie. It was, you know, it was, like I said, that was that was news to me. But the movie did perform well. I mean, I know by modern standards, it was not necessarily, uh, you know, not you know, by today's standards. You look at the movie, which is just under, I think it did just under $450 million worldwide. Um, but it actually did better than Cap, which I think was like 370-something worldwide. Um, and it was it certainly did way better than The Incredible Hulk. So the only one that it was trailing uh, were the the two Iron Man movies? So it was still one of the better performers for the and a solid performer for the MCU, you know, pre Avengers. Because remember, like everything changed again with the Avengers. So like yep. pre Avengers, this you know Thor's performance was actually pretty good, and and I think it's a testament to Chris Hemsworth and, and Tom Hiddleston the the way the Thor franchise has continued to grow. Because I think that even though people clearly you can look at the box office results and see that. 
not as many people maybe checked out these movies in theaters, but they still saw them, you know, and I, and I think, uh -huh. they, you know, maybe they waited and they watched it at home, but they still saw it and they still liked it. And I think that's why uh, Avengers ultimately became such an event is that even people who skipped Thor, maybe even skipped Cap in the theater, caught up to those movies before they saw Avengers and that built the excitement. It wasn't all just based on Iron Man, you know, like people how, when, and where they ended up seeing these movies, you know, is, is different for a lot of people, but ultimately I think people saw it and enjoyed it. And that was part of what, uh, that, that's a, a huge part of what made, you know, Avengers the, the success that it was. And it's, uh, I'm, I'm glad we're doing, I'm glad we're doing this show now, especially in the wake of, of Thor Ragnarok, because Thor Ragnarok just happened, you know, just a few months ago. And, and I, it kind of brought out the people, you know, the trash talk of the Thor franchise. And I'm like, well, Thor of the Dark World, I can understand that. And there's plenty of fair yeah. things to say against Thor of the Dark World. But let's not uh, let's not lump the first Thor film in with that, because, the, you know, Absolutely, the, yeah. this one is this one is solid. There wasn't a whole lot that was wrong. There really wasn't a whole lot that was wrong with this movie. Yeah, that's the thing. I think that it's it's this movie gets a lot of bad rap because I think Dark World didn't do as well, I think from a critical and Cause dark you know, world standpoint. didn't build because dark world didn't build off of it the way that it should have. And if, if dark yeah, world had it, been, mm -hmm. a, if dark world had actually taken what this movie teed it up to do, then people would actually have a lot more respect and appreciation for this movie. Absolutely. And I think it's really, it's really fascinating to think that like this movie, you know, with Thor, it's not like, again, it's, it's, it was an introduction to the character. And I think that's what, the genius of the MCU was they didn't go for which it's funny because you know DC uh, films have struggled trying to build trying to find that mo that Marvel method right and I think that I'm not sure you know what the exact formula there's there's lots I don't want to get to think about DC but what I'm trying to say is that like it's it really does treat it like an introduction and they had confidence in and not just the fact that they, it was an introduction it was an introduction to build off of I don't think they were you know of course they were they, were, they would love a, a giant Iron Man film on their on their hands but as long as it made positive money they knew they could build off the success yep. and make another Thor movie and that's the confidence Confidence. And I think that's the one thing that it was, mo you know, mo modestly budgeted. Had some, it had some great stuff, but again, it had enough to where it built up. It was meant to build off of to, into Avengers and into other Thor films. And that's the genius of the MCU is they don't go crazy. They just went with a moderate budget mm -hmm. and they built off it. And it, again, it's an introduction to the character. And I think that. You know, sometimes – and this is where I'm torn on myself. Sometimes you have to go all in for the movie to sell the movie, right? Mm -hmm. But if you don't – but if you do that, you run the risk of being Green Lantern, whereas Thor didn't have that. It wasn't like a giant, huge success, but it was a success. And I think they knew what was going to sell and what wasn't going to sell. And that's the genius of, I think, Thor specifically, is that it was – I mean, I remember it came out. It was doing gangbusters until the, the Fast and the Furious movie came out uh, two weeks later. So I remember this was cleaning house pretty easily for those first two, three weeks or whatever. So um, I remember it was – it definitely was a, a pretty – I was surprised it was as big as it was. I thought Captain America would have been bigger. I think but Fast it actually came out right before Thor. Um, oh, was it? Yeah, it but, was, that was, but that was – yeah, but I think that was part of it was uh, 
but that was part of Thor. You know, people thought that was part of Thor's performance. Is like people were just because it was the, you know, the rebirth of the the Fast franchise. Um, <laughs> but uh, which, of course, has gone on to do amazing business anyway. <laughs> you know? yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, because uh, it was released. Yeah, Fast Five came out a week before Thor. It was April 29, oh, 2011. Okay. Yep. Um, but yeah, like I, I think with Thor, you know, this movie I feel gets a bad rap relative to the rest of the MCU. I, I think at worst, you know, I, if somebody's not quite as impressed with this movie as I am, you know, I, I get it. You know, we're gonna, you know, reasonable minds will disagree. We can differ on these things, but where I, I can't go along with it is, you know, just thinking that this one is, you know, near the very bottom uh, of the MCU. It definitely I, isn't for me. I, I really enjoy it so much. And, you know, I remember just being, uh, this was, I think this was the, not counting Avengers because, Duh. Uh, but pre Avengers, <laughs> this was the most. I think this was the. I think this was my top MCU film in terms of the, the number of times I actually wa- went back and watched it in the theater. Um, mm. Yeah, I think I. Yeah, because I think this one for me. I think Iron Man for me was three times. I think Incredible Hulk was twice. Iron Man two, I think, was also twice. Uh, and I think yeah, Thor I saw at least at least four times. It might have been five, but at least four. Um, Paid to see it three because the hero complex thing was free. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, four uh, four times in a theater, um, and I remember like when I got the Blu-ray, I just kept playing this one. And and uh, actually, it's funny, you, you know, that comparison to Green Lantern because actually Thor went way more out there than Green Lantern did uh, because Green Lantern goes to Oa for like five minutes and then it's back yeah, to that's Earth. True. Um, um, but I, I think to but to your your greater point there, just in terms of you know not necessarily going all out on the concept in, in the first film. Um, I think Marvel changed that, though, you know, based on... Because I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy certainly went way more out there in its of first course. film. Of course, right, right. That's um, a whole... So, so, yeah. you kind, so you kind of see, like, Marvel maybe learning from that and, and just saying, like, you know, we want to... We're not going to hold back in our, our first movies anymore. Like, we're just going to go... We're just going to embrace the concept uh, full on. And maybe that was driven by, you know, the response to this movie. Or maybe it was just a thing of... You know, this was a, a pre-Avengers world where it was harder to take. Uh, I mean, everything the MC, everything they were doing at Marvel Studios was a risk. So just making a Thor movie and a Cap movie, putting them out in the same year with an Avengers movie that stars both of them right behind it, already in production before those movies even get released. Like those were the kinds of risks Marvel was taking at that time. So you couldn't just also compound that by let's make a two hundred fifty million dollar Thor film where we go everywhere. Like you couldn't do that. Um, right. But I think where you know the secret to Marvel's success and, and where I think Thor is such a great example of it is Marvel takes great care in making sure that even if you don't love every story element that they put in there, um, even if you don't necessarily love every every battle, you still like at the very least you're going to walk away liking the characters. You're going to get moments with those characters are going to get conversations between those characters and other interactions that are ultimately going to make you care about them so that that way even if one particular story falls short for you on occasion you'll still come back because you still like those characters and you still care about what happens you know what happens to them next and i think that was that was a key thing with thor is you you absolutely wanted to see 
what's next for Thor and Loki um, in the Avengers. Yep. And I think that that there's no doubt that you you know walk out of uh, Thor ready to see what happens next with those what happens next with those characters. So and just like it says, like right before you get to the end credits. Uh, you have like Thor will return in the Avengers and you're like, okay, I'm in. So yeah, it's, uh, I'll, I'll always, you know, love and appreciate this film. I'm, I just have, like I said, the, the smile that was on my face the first time I saw it, I get that same smile. I feel just as happy when I put in the Blu-ray even to like earlier today, watching it to get ready for this show. I'm just instantly smiling and having the best time watching this movie. Cause I enjoy these characters so much and I enjoy, uh, I enjoy this story. I enjoy this overall movie. Thor is, if I have to be more objective and start splitting, you know, uh, nitpicking and splitting hairs between some of the Marvel movies, I don't know. I haven't attempted to rank Marvel movies in a long time now, but uh, I really love, uh, I really love this one. So even if it's not at the very, it's obviously not near the the very very top of my MCU list, but that's okay because that's how good Marvel is. Is even the stuff that's not their absolute best is still really damn good. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a film that I think that over time, as we get like probably what like five or six more, at least uh, you know in this current iteration of the MCU, I think it's going to go down as one of the the better you know it'll, it'll age the one of the better films to age in my opinion as far as like even not time wise timeline wise but just as far as like story wise and just you know the themes are still prevalent. And, and really true and they're timeless there really are timeless themes of mm-hmm. you know of outs- feeling an outsider arrogance being humbled things like that are, are yeah. you know those, those are good themes and family just as we were and talking we, about just yeah, like we were yeah. talking about the fast and furious franchise it's all about family <laughs> oh god <laughs> oh, you gotta you had to bring that up w- without having to use the word 18 times per trailer uh thor family gets be, thor gets to be about family uh, Dude, but hey it, oh god <laughs> No, uh, why do you have to do this to me? Oh, I forgot sorry. about that. My bad. Uh, but anyway, so that's <laughs> where uh, we'll go ahead and wrap this up. Obviously, we loved Thor then. We love Thor now. Uh, we're oh. going to talk more about Thor in our Patreon credit scene. So you can check that out on our Patreon page. Uh, it is available to our. It will be available to our patrons who are contributing and supporting us with three dollars a month or more, depending on what rewards you're you're going after. So thanks to everybody who who's already supporting us. Make sure you check us out at Patreon.com/slash/MarvelStudiosNews uh, because this Patreon credit scene that we're going to have for this episode. Not only will we be talking about the connections between this film and uh, this film Thor and Avengers Infinity War. Uh, it's certainly the biggest connection we've had so far on this uh, on this journey back through the MCU that we've been taking because we get our we're going to be talking about in this Patreon credit scene uh, our uh, we're going to be talking about the first appearance of an Infinity Stone, uh, but we're also going to be talking about the first trailer for Ant Man and the Wasp that came out today. So normally you would probably expect a trailer reaction to be part of a uh a regular show and and ordinarily it would be but we got to stay on schedule with our road to infinity war because we're scheduled to finish just in time uh for avengers so we can't uh we can't delay but yeah we will be sharing our thoughts on the ant-man and the wasp trailer the ant-man and the wasp trailer as well as talking about the connective tissue between thor and avengers infinity war in our show in our this the uh well, like I said, the Patreon credit scene. So it's, and we've been doing, you know, about 20 to 25 minutes every time we do this. So it's certainly not, you know, just an extra five or 10 minutes that, uh, 
that our patrons are getting. So hopefully you check that out. Um, but until then, uh, make sure you continue to follow our show. It's Marvel Studios News. You can check out the website, marvelstudiosnews.com. Uh, you can check us out on Twitter, at Marvel Newscast, on Facebook, which is under the name Marvel Studios News. And like I said, that Patreon page is patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News. Paul, where can everybody find you? People can find me on Twitter at Herman22 at two ends, And uh, we'll talk about Marvel, Star Wars, and NFL football. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Sean Gerber. And Sean is spelled S-E-A-N. So for Paul, I'm Sean. Thanks, as always, for listening. We'll see you next time. And, of course, if you're on Patreon, we will see you in just a few minutes, depending on when you actually go and listen to it. Mm-hmm.